0: And welcome to Why a Book. I just almost said what a book. What is a book? <laughs> welcome to Why a Book, a podcast where we uh, dive into the young adult novels of the 2000s and have a horrible time remembering these things. Yeah, this um, reading this book this week made me realize that I have severe selective memory when it comes to most of these books. I'm Renee. <laughs> I'm Mary. And uh, since we haven't plugged... Any of our social or contact info, we're going to do it twice this episode. Woo! <laughs> so, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We have a Twitter? Yeah. Oh, wow. And a TikTok. I accidentally uploaded our first TikTok video to my personal TikTok by accident That's instead fun. of our own. But anyway, all of our handles are... Why a book podcast? and you can also email us at whyabookpodcast at gmail.com. I can't wait for emails. Please email me. Book suggestions, your thoughts, comments. Anything. Anything. Restaurants. Your dreams. Your thoughts and feelings. Cat pics. Oh, please, cat pics. Dog pics. We're really not... Yeah, any pet pics, generally. Yeah. I will accept. No feet pics. No feet pics. <laughs> you will get blocked. <laughs> uh, anyway, Mary. <laughs> so, this week, we are diving into the after Life. Um, I read Elsewhere by Gabrielle Zevin, which I do distinctly remember reading in one sitting, not just in one day, like in one sitting. I went home from school, laid on my bed and just read this book, which it's like 250 pages, so... That's what 8th grade me was like. The story actually stuck with me a lot, but um as I said, I realized I had a lot of selective memory because there's some really questionable plot points. Oh, good. But I always kind of liked this particular idea of the afterlife, which you'll get a better sense for in a bit. But um this is the description from the inside cover. It's a hardback. So uh got that fancy inside cover. Ooh la la. Welcome to Elsewhere It is usually warm with a breeze The sun and the stars shine bright And the beaches are marvelous It's quiet and peaceful here And you can't get sick or older Curious to see new paintings by Picasso Swing by one of Elsewhere's museums Need to talk about your problems? Stop by Marilyn Monroe's psychiatric practice It's where (laughs) Yes, she's More on that later Elsewhere It's where 15-year-old Liz Hall Ends up after she has died It is a place so like Earth Yet so completely different from it Here Liz will age back from the day of her death until she becomes a baby again and returns to Earth. But Liz wants to turn 16, not 14, again. She wants to get her driver's license. She wants to graduate from high school and go to college. She wants to fall in love. And now that she's dead, Liz is forced to live a life she doesn't want with a grandmother she has only just met and it is not going well. How can Liz let go of the only life she has ever known and embrace a new one? Is it possible that life lived in reverse is no different from a life lived forward? a conspiracy. Again with the 15 year old (laughs) Only this one died. I think she was like three weeks out from her birthday or something. So that's rough. Yeah. This also sounds like just the the bit about the famous people sounds like Soul, the Pixar movie. So Soul, I definitely thought about a lot while I was reading this book because you like, you don't actually ever meet any real celebrities, but they get mentioned like, oh, like so-and-so is doing this. Marilyn Monroe is a psychiatrist. So you don't actually meet any of them. You be a celebrity, but just not a real celebrity, like a fictional. So what I'm taking from this is that we can neither confirm nor deny if any of these celebrities are actually dead. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So the book starts with a prologue and is told from the point of view of Lucy, who is Liz's pug, and Lucy is just observing Liz's home like in the immediate aftermath of Liz's death. And it's actually like one of my favorite parts of the book because it's unexpectedly deep where like Lucy has all these really deep thoughts about Liz and like she spent some time in Liz's room where she's like trying to make sense of how you know her room looks exactly how it was when she died. Obviously, it's only been like a day, yeah. and she's like, "How can all of these things represent a person?" And then she starts like digging around because she gets really depressed. And I hate her, that. Her brother comes in. Her brother's only seven. He's oh, his I hate that. And he starts talking to the dog, and he's like, "Do you think like Liz is in heaven?" Like, and then Lucy doesn't believe in the afterlife, which like spoilers. But the dog, the dog doesn't believe in the afterlife. Amazing. Lucy also like starts talking about how a dog's life becomes really chaotic in the aftermath of a death in the family. like she doesn't get to go out as much and her meal times have been a little bit erratic, which she really doesn't like. Somebody's dead. <laughs> so um, the next day, Liz's mom takes Lucy to the dog park and um, Lucy can smell sadness all over Liz's mom and apparently sadness smells like bananas didn't know that but um it smells like there's goodness. always money in the banana sand <laughs> it's a very sad place it is <laughs> that went up in flames so lucy's depressed at the park and her dog friends come over they're like oh my god what's wrong and one of the other dogs is like oh are you gonna be put on the streets like i heard that happen to someone and she's like no they're gonna keep me and then one of the other dogs is like why are you so sad like what's the big deal and she's like oh like it's sad because liz is only 15 like she's so young and he's like dogs only get to live to 15 anyway so like what's the big deal And then she's like, oh, like, it was really unexpected. She got hit by a car. And he's like, we get hit by cars all the time. It's like, dude, chill out. That dog is a serial killer. Yeah. And then (laughs) um, at the end of the prologue, Lucy says that a dog isn't meant to outlive her human and no one understands or cares. And that in the end, the end of a life only matters to friends, family and other folks you used to know for everyone else is just another end. Like, this is a deep dog. Like It'll, that's because it's not an Irish breed. If it was an Irish breed, <laughs> it would just be like, bury the girl. Well, like the other fucking dog. like yeah. Move on. So then we begin with part one, the Nile. So we meet Liz, whose full name is Elizabeth. Just a fun fact, she's from Medford, Mass. Medford. There are like references to... Massachusetts life that we can discuss later. She wakes up in a bunk bed and there's another girl sleeping in the top bunk, and so she wakes her up and she's like, "Where are we?" And, me the, up inside. <laughs> and the girl's like, "We're on a boat." <laughs> so she looks out the window and she sees like, "Yeah, we're on a boat," and she can see um her parents and her brother on like a really far away boardwalk, and she's like, "Oh, I'm dreaming. This is so weird." So she starts looking around the room. She discovers the boat is named the SS Nile, hence. The part one title. There's nothing in the room except for the bunk beds and an empty bureau, and she accidentally slams a drawer shut, which wakes up girl in the top bunk again. So she introduces herself. Her name is Way Washington, but she goes by Thandy. She's 16. She's from D.C. And then she asks Liz if she's a skinhead because Liz is bald, like completely bald, which is very shocking to learn for Liz because she remembers having long hair. And then she has this weird memory of laying on a cot and then her dad is shaving her head. And then she's like, wait, no, that wasn't my dad. It was just like another man around my dad's age. And then she remembers her mom being there crying and telling her that her hair is going to grow back and she can't Oh, number. so she gets, the, the, it's afterlife amnesia. Yeah, so she okay. can't remember if that happened or not. And so she and Thandy just get up and go in and explore the boat. They're both dressed in these plain white pajamas. And Liz tries to find a hat because she feels weird about like being bald. And Thandy's like, no, it's fine. I got weird shit going on too. So she lifts up her hair and shows the back of her neck. She has a hole there. Uh, so this girl <laughs> was murdered. And um, Liz is like, what the heck is that? Like, w- what happened? She's like, I don't know. It doesn't really hurt though. I think it's getting better. And Liz asks like, how did you get it? And she's like, well, I don't know. It's just there. So she doesn't... Neither of these girls know they're dead. Not at this point, no. And they're just very casual about the fact that they've woken up on a boat. Well, Liz thinks she's dreaming. Oh, right. Liz yeah. thinks it's a dream. Yeah. And Dandy's just like... And we just met Dandy, so she doesn't really... On drugs or something? Yeah, she's pretty casual about the whole thing. Oh, okay. So they, they're they about to leave, and Liz hesitates on the door because she, she remembers somebody told her to never open a door in a dream. Never, ever do it. Why? She can't remember. She can't remember (laughs) who told her that or why. So she just opens the door and goes through. God, I fucked up a lot. Yeah. I'm always going through doors in dreams. Well, who knows what repercussions that could have. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm worried. So they go to the dining room and this is where Liz notices that everyone else on the boat is really old. Like all old people. It's a river cruise. What do you expect? (laughs) They're on the ocean. Oh, it's an ocean. Yeah. Oh, I assumed they were on a boat called the Nile on the Nile River. No, it's just called the Nile. Mm, I don't like. That. Three old ladies approach her and Thandi, and one of them is like, "Oh my God, you're so young. You you must be like 12. And she's like, "No, I'm actually 15. And then the other one is like, "What happened to you, girls?" And Liz is like, "What?" <laughs> and Thandi's like, "Oh, I was shot in the head." Thandi has to yell at these women because one of them can't hear. So she's so like, "Thandi remembers this." Yeah. So Liz is like, "Hey, you couldn't remember what happened like five minutes ago." She's like, "Yeah, I just remember like right now. Isn't that weird?" And then she says that. It's really common where she's from to get shot in the head. So, like, don't worry about it. (laughs) Wait. What year did this book come out? So, it came out in 2005. Mm. Let me me do a little... I just got to do a little little quick investigation. Want to look up some DC crime statistics? Well, the DC sniper. When did that happen? She's like, yeah. Because she said she's from DC. She's like, people are always getting shot. Shot in DC. Yeah. DC. I don't... I think we were... I don't think we were that old. I think it happened in the 90s. Oh, no. It happened in 2002. So... Mm. Mm. This book takes place in 2002. <laughs> she's a DC sniper She got victim. sniped. So Thandy tells them that she got shot. And one of the older ladies is like, oh, you can go to the healing center if you want. And she's like, no, it's healing up on its own. And this sounds like a cult. Liz is confused. So she's like, whatever, I'm just going to get some food. She and Thandy eat and Liz asks where she thinks they're going. And Thandi's like, I don't know, but like boats have to be going somewhere, like, I guess. And Liz is like, just reflecting on everything. And she's like, I really got to remember this dream and tell my mom when I wake up because she's a child psychologist. She's going to be like... Like blown away some weird shit going on i mean we also have been analyzing dreams lately so yeah, i had a weird snail dream the other day <laughs> so as they're eating they're approached by a youngish man around 30 with spiky blue hair and blue eyes and oh my god it's curtis Just. curtis curtis is it's a band yeah he's wow. the front man of liz's favorite band machine so liz freaks machine. out yeah it's called machine just machine is this a real band no Okay. No, it's not a real band. It's just called Machine. Anger... Against the machine, <laughs> just machine. It's it's the machine that the other band is raging against. Raging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, every episode I have to be slightly wrong about at least one thing. <laughs> no, I had the same thought where I was like, oh, she's just like abbreviating it, but no, it's just a different band called. Okay, I'm about to say I don't think anyone from that band is dead. They just came or back. named Curtis. <laughs> oh, that that goes beyond my scope of knowledge. Yeah. Anyway, so Liz freaks out and she's like, oh my god, this is the coolest dream ever. I got to meet like my favorite celebrity, and Curtis is like, dream. What are you talking about? And Thandi leans over and whispers to him, like she's like she doesn't know yet. And so Thandi just had this like awakening in yeah, this so like she, two minute span and didn't say, like yeah didn't say anything like oh shit girl I just remembered like she just was like mm, I know. That Everybody has to come to terms with their own death. Yeah, but I just feel like most people, if you suddenly remembered it and you were like, we're with this girl and like neither of you knew what was going on, you'd be like, hey, I just realized why I'm here. Yeah, well, Thandie is just like a really level-headed person in general. I don't know. She she gives me crazy vibes. Yeah. I don't trust her. <laughs> so Liz asks Curtis when the next album is coming out and he says never. And she's like, oh my God, did the band broke up? And he's like, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> And then he says he quit, and she asks why. And he shows her his arm, which is covered in oh, like, God, track no. marks and bruises. And he says he was a fool. And Liz freaks out because it's gross to look at. And so she leaves and goes to the main deck, which is where you see they're just surrounded by just water everywhere. And then she tries to like will herself to wake up. Like she keeps just telling herself to wake, wake up and like up pinching herself. And then she starts panicking and screaming it's for her mom. And then this guy, up. this old man on the deck is like, Shut up, you're being too loud. <laughs> so then she decides, like, if she can't get out of the dream, she's gonna try Try to remember how the dream started. She was riding her bike to the Cambridge Side Galleria to meet her best friend Zoe to look for prom dresses. Now Zoe's going to the prom. Liz is not going to the prom. As she's crossing an intersection, she was hit by a taxi. And then she supposes that she must have died in the dream. Um, and then she wonders what it means when you die in your dream. And then you know she decides that falling back asleep is clearly the answer to uh, waking up. Days pass. Really unclear how many she doesn't know. Um, she and Thandi search around the boat, but they can't find like a calendar or a TV or phone or anything really. And then she asks herself how long a dream has to last until it's just life. Uh, <laughs> we love a good philosophical question. Mm-hmm. So then one of these days, Thandi just starts crying randomly and says that she misses her boyfriend. I bet he's the one that shot her. His name is Reginald Christopher Doral Monmount Harris III, but she calls him Slim, even though he's not. He's not the real Slim Shady. No, and apparently he's not slim physically either. That's like pointed out a couple of times. I don't know why it's so important. Fanny asked Liz if she has a boyfriend, but she doesn't. She and her ex, Edward, broke up in January because she was tired of watching his cross country meets. <laughs> I mean, I didn't date in high school, but that's a very high school breakup. Yeah. And then she wonders if Edward would care if she was dead. And then Thandie says she doesn't think Slim misses her. Wait, so she's realized she's dead now? Well, no, she just is wondering, like, if I died, would it? Oh, care? Oh, this girl. Yeah. And then she notices that she has several stitches on the side of her head surrounding, like, the outside of her ear. And then the realization really throws her off. And then she asks Thandy how she got shot. And then Thandy tells her that she was out with Slim in D.C. and a bullet just came out of nowhere and hit her. D.C. sniper! (sighs) Liz says it's crazy. Like, it's so crazy that we both have these wild incidents where we're both fine and we're both just here on the boat. And Thandy didn't say anything. And then Liz says that it's super weird that Curtis is here, too, because you only meet famous people in dreams. Only. Exclusively. Oh, I've had some some uh, waking dreams. Then, yeah, I've never met a celebrity before. Oh my God, John <laughs> John Legend bumped into me. <laughs> Was that a dream? Yeah. Wow, you were sleepwalking. I was sleepwalking to the theater district. Crazy how that happens, right? Then Thandy like starts talking about how is like trying to like subtly nudge her toward the right conclusion. And they talk about how like Curtis's arm was all fucked up, and Thandy's like, "Oh, it's probably because he was a drug addict." Because she has a cousin who died of an overdose, and Liz is like, "No, like Curtis isn't like your cousin at all. Like he's a musician. Like he would never do the that." Musicians' lives are always so they don't have any problems. No. And so Thandy's like, you're in denial. And then... No, um, oh, it's the Nile, bitch. <laughs> but before Liz could say anything, an envelope is slid under the door. Oh, it has her name on it, and it contains a token called an Eternum and a card that requests her to go to the observation deck now. Like, it says time now. And Liz is like, you can only ever be late for an invitation for now. And Thandy's like, no, you can only ever be on time. Because, like, now is relative. So Liz like... Whatever. She goes to the deck. She finds her assigned set of binoculars because the, the observation deck is just like those, you know, those um I like sights and stuff. They have the. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So she goes to whichever one she's supposed to go to and inserts the, the coin. She looks inside and she sees the church where she went to occasionally as a child. And there's a bunch of her classmates and family members and her parents, friends are there. And then at the front is Liz's parents and her brother. And they're all there singing. If I die young, bury me inside. (laughs) her principal's at the pulpit and he's giving this speech about how great she was and how she's a straight A student even though she wasn't and the importance (laughs) of wearing a bike helmet what? (laughs) no one would lie about her grades I'm sorry if you like that's not well later on um, she has another discussion with Curtis and he's like people always like make people seem greater than they are after they die. Anyway, so there's a, a casket, obviously, and inside she sees herself dressed in a blonde wig and this brown dress that she always hated. So she suspected it and now she knows for certain that she's dead. Like, really dead. And for a moment it feels nothing. So she takes one last look in the binoculars to make sure that the right people are there. Edward's there, as well as a few teachers, but not her favorite teacher who is like her biology teacher or something. But notably missing is Zoe. And she's so disgusted that Zoe's not there that she just leaves. She walks down the deck and she's trying to come to terms with the fact that she's dead and she runs into Curtis. who's looking oh my god, it was his... Zoe in the car that hit her? I can't tell you that. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what the answer is. So um, she runs into Curtis who's looking into his own set of binoculars and he's like, hey, how's the afterlife going? She's like, it's boring. Uh, she tells him about her funeral, which is where he's like, "Oh, some questions." So we get to an appropriate point. <laughs> okay, and then he offers to let her look into his binoculars, and so he, she sees his funeral, which is a ton of celebrities and a bear. A bear. The bear is named Bartholomew. Balthazar. <laughs> and he was supposed to be in Machine's next music video, and is for some the, reason was is this is a bear that also plays field hockey on occasion. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it was the bear that fought in the Polish army. <laughs> it's a very decorated uh, life that bear has. Yeah, it's a really prolific bear. Yeah. Curtis then tells her that he, in fact, did die of an overdose. Shocker. And then she tells him she was in a bike accident and she feels awful because her mom was always telling her to wear a helmet and she didn't. And Curtis comments that mom's always know best and that makes Liz cry. And so he tries <laughs> to comfort her and he's like, my youngest sister is around your age. You kind of look alike. And she's like, whatever. They're, they're dead. They're never going to see their families again. So like, what does it matter? Curtis is like maybe we will and she's like they're gonna die eventually yeah well she's like this whole afterlife works but they're gonna die eventually yeah and then she goes easy for you to say you chose this and he's i'm sorry he's super offended and he's like i was a drug addict i didn't want to die and she's like oh my god i'm so sorry i was like damn wow (laughs) this girl's heartless (laughs) oh yeah my question um because when she said that this is a boring afterlife they're on a cruise ship so presumably there should be shuffleboard it's not a cruise ship. It's just like a ship. Oh. <laughs> I was picturing like no it's Royal not cool. Caribbean. Oh. Like there's like a little surf thing. Like <laughs> yeah, I wish figure skating. Oh my god, that'd be awesome. Surf desolates there. <laughs> 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 but no, it's just it's just a ship. Oh, that's boring. It's like The Titanic. Oh uh, well, is Leo there? Mm, unclear. <laughs> so she apologizes for what she said, which is awful. Yeah. And then she says that he'll be missed. Um, and then she asks him if he thinks they'll be on the boat forever. And he says no. And then points out that they're approaching the shore. And she reflects that if you have to be dead, it's better to be somewhere, anywhere than nowhere at all. Is it? I've uh, I've read Dante's Inferno. Okay. <laughs> I have some thoughts (laughs) The answer is That's a false statement Yeah So now it's part two The Book of the Dead Fun fact When I was like Nine years old I bought myself a copy Of The Book of the Dead Because I was really obsessed With history And Egyptology And I was like I was also really obsessed With The Mummy Starring Brandon Fraser Anyway the Book of the Dead. They arrive on the island of Elsewhere where the local temperature is 67 degrees with partly sunny skies and the local time is 3.48 p.m. So Liz is still like dealing with her shit and she hangs back in the room while Thandy just leaves right away. She wanders around and she just sees a bunch of excited old people and she says that for the aged, death isn't much different than retiring to Florida. The aged? The a age, like for old people. Oh, uh, I always thought it was just the aged I think you can say it okay (laughs) (laughs) I was like the aged but for young people like herself the prospect of death is terribly lonely yeah that makes sense So, meanwhile, Betty Bloom is on her way to the Elsewhere Pier. She's Liz's grandma, but they never met because she died, like, just weeks before Liz was born. Okay. And she's not quite old and not quite young at this moment. Oh, okay. The boat starts to empty out, and Liz plans to stay aboard and hitch a ride back to Earth. She's like, I got this figured out. Oh. I'll just hide under my bunk. Yeah stay on the boat and I'll just go back home that's how this works this is a lot like Soul (laughs) yeah so then she starts thinking about how like her what her life is gonna be like when she comes back to life it's gonna have like a bunch (laughs) of news stories and there's gonna be a TV movie about her and she's gonna get to go on Oprah Oprah! Because this was the age of, like, Oprah, for sure. Oh forever the age of Oprah. Yeah, but um, after a little while, someone enters the room, and it's the captain of the SS Nile, who's actually a young boy about the age of seven. But Oh, that's creepy. Um, yeah, so Liz finds this really bizarre, and she's like, who are, the, who are you? And she's like, oh, I've been the captain for nearly 100 years. And she's like, no. I don't think of I, any famous seven-year-old deaths a hundred years ago. <laughs> it's like, is this a <laughs> historical figure I should know? No. Okay. But do remember him because he will come up later. Oh, I'm never going to forget Oh, Captain, my Captain, seven-year-old child. <laughs> so, yeah, she's like, you cannot possibly be the, the captain. He doesn't really care whether or not she believes him. She, He's just he like... Anubis, god of the dead. Doubtful. Oh. <laughs> he just tells her that she needs to get off the boat because if she were to return to Earth now, she would be a ghost. And she's like, that's not um, so bad. I'm sorry. I'd return to be a ghost. (laughs) She doesn't think it's a bad idea, but he manages to convince her to get off. I want to haunt people. Yeah, well, if you ever die, just stay on the boat. When she gets off, Betty is the only one left on the pier. And so she greets her, but Liz doesn't recognize her because she never met her. And Betty explains that she's her grandmother and that everyone elsewhere gets younger, which is why she, even though she was 50, when she died, she's now about 34 Fifth, oh wow, gosh, when I was born, my grandparents were in their like 70s. <laughs> she died of um breast cancer, like, no, but I'm saying like, yeah, fifteen. Well, so she would have been oh no, so well, we don't know, never mind, we don't know how the aging progressed. Is it a year, is it go back a year each year? Yes, okay, and so it's been 15, so she was 65. Okay, that's not that's not too, too No, young she to, was 50 when she died. Oh, when she died, you said oh, and now that's she's what, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I'm saying 50 is young to become a grandparent. And, yeah, so she was get, about to be a grandparent for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My like... grandma was younger than that. Oh, wow. My my grandmother had my mom when she was 20. Oh, all right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so they drive home and Betty's like telling Liz a little bit about elsewhere, like how there's a bunch of new works by artists and Picasso has all his new paintings and there's this new building. But what phase is Picasso in? I don't know. We don't. He, she never goes to see the paintings. Very... <laughs> Disappointed about that, but damn. Liz tells her that she met Curtis Jest of Machine, and Betty's like, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> because Machine is only popular with yeah Liz's generation, who's m- mostly that's still like alive. if this happened, I-, I ran into my grandparents, and I was just like oh, my God, I met Dan Smith of Bastille. And they're going to be like, the French Revolution. Like, hold on. So, <laughs> and then Liz is like, oh, like maybe Curtis will make music again. And Betty says that many artists don't. Like, for example, Marilyn Monroe, who's now a psychiatrist. Uh, well, that makes, I feel like if I were at Marilyn, yeah. um, I wouldn't want to do anything related to my uh, traumatic career. Yeah. And like, perhaps would want to like go into a field that would help like come to terms with They they don't happen to say if Marilyn was murdered or not in this. No, um, all they say is that she's now had to retire from practicing psychiatry because she's too young. Oh, my God. Can you imagine walking in and like this four year old? Yeah, they never say like explicitly what the retirement age is, but it seems to be somewhere around like eight years old. Interesting around there. So as they're driving, she points at this tall building called the Registry where Liz will have her acclimation appointment the next day. And then Liz asks Betty about getting younger and Betty explains that everyone ages backwards until you're seven days old again. And then you and all the other babies are sent down the river with a capital R back to Earth to be born new. And uh, but this is called the Release. Another capital R. So Liz freaks out and she starts yelling about all the things she'll never get to do, like get married or get a driver's license. And Betty tries to comfort her and then she's like, you know what, Like you have your Permit, right? Like at least you can drive us home. Like that'll make this better, right? So Liz drives, and she just keeps getting more worked up, and she starts thinking about how she's too young to be dead, and that most people who die at her age have some horrible disease, but she wasn't sick. And she starts driving really recklessly, and Betty tries to calm her down again, but Liz is like, "Safety doesn't matter. Like we can't die, so like nothing matters." She ends up crashing the car, but it's like a minor accident. There's no damage, and this is like devastating to her as well because (laughs) Betty is like, "Oh, are you hurt?" And she's like. No, what, like, what would happen if I was? And she's like, Oh, you go to a healing center. She's like, So, it doesn't, that doesn't even matter. If you crash a car, it doesn't matter. She's just clearly having a moment. So then that night she has a dream that's just like a what if scenario about if she'd survived the accident where like she passes her driver's test, gets to MIT, graduates in biology, goes to vet school, falls in love, and then Betty wakes her up. And she's really like mad that her dream got interrupted. But she has to go to her acclimation appointment that morning. So like she has to get up. Betty offers her some of her clothes to wear since she's still dressed in those white pajamas. Mm-hmm. But Liz refuses because all Betty has her grandma clothes. Yeah. <laughs> her d- description of her closet reminded me a lot of my. My own grandma's closet. Mm-hmm. So they drive to the appointment, and Betty says that she knows a little bit about Liz's life because she observed her from the observation decks, which are just like the binoculars that Liz mm-hmm. used to watch her funeral. So you pay one eternum, which is just the general currency of elsewhere for five minutes of view time. Um, and Liz is, like, really excited about this. Okay, who who's profiting from this world? Like, there's a currency. Okay, I really don't understand the exchange rate of this currency. It doesn't make sense to me. They never really, like, give you any, like, a t-shirt costs this many a- eternums. So I'm really curious. But you have to work to get money. Where's the central bank? I don't know. Hmm. I, this is one of the questions I have about this book is what is elsewhere's economy? <laughs> <laughs> so um, she arrives at the registry and Liz gets a little bit lost, but eventually finds the Office of Acclamation, which has a sign out front that says, so you're dead. Now what? And she tries to talk to the receptionist, but she's really rude and she makes Liz bring the bell before she'll talk to her. That sounds like something from like a 90s DCOM yeah. Like, I expect that to happen in Halloween Town or something. <laughs> yeah. And she also yells at her for being late. And she's like, the video's already started. She watches this video that stars a cartoon parrot who tells her all about Elsewhere. And um, in Elsewhere, everybody has a new age, which is their current age, followed by how many years they've been dead. So right now, Liz is 15-0. But like a year from now, she will be 14-1. So everybody has to do math now to have their age. I love this. Yeah. And she also (laughs) has a new birthday that's calculated from when she died versus how many days away from her birth birth date it was. That's just unnecessary. Yeah. So, like, her real birthday sometime in August, but her new birthday is now January 4th. Why? Because that's, I don't know. That's just the day she's going to be born again in, like, 15 years. Born again Christian? Mm, Maybe. No, this is the... this is rebirth. <laughs> yeah. So the main rule in Elsewhere is that contact, capital C, is forbidden. Contact with Earth, but you can observe as much as you want from the ODs. But that means it's it's possible to contact. It's, it's possible, but it's forbidden. Ooh la la. So It'd be easier just to say it's impossible. Yeah. And make them live a oh, lie. Don't even get me started. So Liz also learns that everyone on Elsewhere chooses an avocation, which is just something they do for fun. They get paid for it, but it should be like something they're passionate about and not just something that they like. Do. I want to be an international art thief. You're gonna have trouble with that one on Elsewhere. I'm gonna tell you that right now. All right, I'm gonna be an Elsewhere art thief. Picasso, I'm coming Picasso. for you. <laughs> coming for you, Picasso. <laughs> um, and then the end of the video is very metaphysical, and it's like life is like a circle and a line because like a circle is everything, everything that's old becomes new and then becomes old again, and over and over again. it's so, like a line because you put all these circles next to each other, they make a line or something. Liz doesn't understand, it, and neither do I. Mm-hmm. After the video is over, she goes and she meets with her acclamation counselor, Aldous Ghent, who's, he's like a nice guy. He's probably, he's like middle-aged now, but he like died when he was really old. He pulls her file and he tells her that she was actually brain dead and in a coma for a week before um, her parents had to pull the plug and that he and his wife had to pull the plug on their son back on Earth. And then he starts to blowing his nose and he says he's allergic to sad memories. Oh, God. Because she also asks if he sees his son now and he says no, because he already went back to Earth. Yeah. Uh, um, I, have a, I have a logistical question. Okay. You probably don't have an answer Do to. You tell. <laughs> so when they're seven days old is when they mm-hmm. get sent back. Mm-hmm. This is also this is a very depressing concept to think of. Yes. If someone dies before they're seven days old on Earth. That comes up later. Oh, okay. It comes up later. So all this encourages Liz to find an avocation and asks if she has any passions on Earth. She tells him that she planned to become a vet, so like maybe she can work with animals. And um, then his final question is if she'd been happy, like in her life. And <laughs> what a loaded <love laughs> question. She he's not something he has to ask. He just likes to ask it. And she says she was. And then it's only as she says that she realizes like she actually was happy. Like mm-hmm. she'd always thought of herself as like a moody teenager and she was never really happy. But as she reflects on it now that she's dead, she realizes like she had a good life. And then all this tells her that because she's under 16, she qualifies for the sneaker clause. The sneaker? The sneaker claw, clause. Sneaker night? Sneaker night. (laughs) So because so many young people find adjusting to life on elsewhere very difficult, anybody under the age of 16 can return to Earth early. And Liz starts to get excited. She's like, oh, can I go back to my regular life, my old life? And he's like, no. No. You're That's, gonna be a baby. Why again. would that make sense? Why? would Yeah, she- exactly. So he's like, "No, your old life is over. You'd become a baby, and no one would recognize you, and you wouldn't recognize anybody." And if she ever hears of a place called the Well, capital W, it's forbidden. So she's like, "Oh my God, what's the Well?" And he's like, "Never mind." And- this is how not to run, <laughs> yeah, a shady, <laughs> yeah, thing. Like, like, oh, like, don't do that. Like, that how? It's not like unless it's don't the do sense, this thing. Yeah. Unless the Well is at the center of town and everybody goes near it. Don't tell people. Yeah. Don't give people ideas. This sounds like they're trying to set her, like, oh, fuck. It's reminding me. I forget what series it's reminding me of in particular, but it's one of those things. Basically, any dystopian series where the protagonist thinks that they've been discovering these things on their own and then someone running the dystopian society is like actually we've known all along and we're the ones who like oh, arranged yeah. all of this <clears throat> that's familiar but i don't know what it is it's really a lot of dystopia yeah it's a very dystopian trope is this a dystopian society maybe so he doesn't tell her anything more about the well he just says that you have a year to decide if you want to use the sneaker clause or not and at this moment she says no and then as she's leaving, she asks one final question. Where's God in all of this? I haven't thought about that once. <laughs> I'm a good Christian. <laughs> and Aldis tells her that God's there in the same way he, she, or it was before to you. Nothing's changed. We don't need God if you were going to ask that. After the meeting's over, Aldis takes her to the Department of Last Words, where she has to verify her last words, which were, um, Ow! Um, like literally just the word, um, <laughs> She's so disappointed to have such a lame word and this lady who works at the department makes her sign off on it and she's like, why do, you, why do I have to sign off when you already knew what the word was and she's like i don't know it's just the way it works here and then who's running this place because they have a great sense of humor but also i I, they they're either really good at running this place or really bad and i haven't decided i don't know if there's any like elsewhere government it's never really discussed the men in black (laughs) and then she starts like reflecting on how um is strangely appropriate for her life because it's a word you use when you're thinking of what you're going to say and it represents how her life was interrupted before it really began and Yeah, but she's not going to make any famous last word list. No, she's not. But she runs into Thandy in the lobby of the department and Liz I forgot about Thandy already. Yeah, she asked what her last words were and Thandy won't say exactly what they were because she swore a lot. But the gist was, Jesus Christ, Slim, I think I've been shot in the head. Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ, fuck. The DC fucking sniper got me. Fuck. (laughs) Yeah. And then Liz is like, it's okay. This is why rated as an explicit podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, Liz is like, it's okay if you said fuck and she's like, don't say it. I love saying fuck. Well, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. And then Thandi tells Liz that she's living with her cousin Shelly, the one who died of an overdose and that she's much better now and that Liz should come visit sometime. <laughs> Can you imagine this? people were like, <laughs> this is like afterlife still gives people the option for these vices. <laughs> yeah. That'd be fucked up. That'd be so fucked up. So <laughs> like, oh, go to the. That's that's the scheme. Oh my gosh, they're they're gonna they're load you up with your vices. So then you have to go to these healing centers, and they're gonna send you ooh. back with the. And then they profit. Milk you for turnums that come from a mysterious source. Yeah. We found it. <laughs> so as she's leaving, all this runs into the lobby and tells Liz that she should work at the Division of Domestic Animals, which is in the Department of Acclimation, which is where humans help pets adjust to life on Earth. He asked her if she can speak canine, which she doesn't, uh, which, fun fact, there are over 300 words for love in canine. <laughs> Uh, somebody that, st- as we know, studied Latin, a language where there's about a hundred at least words for water. That makes sense to me. Yeah, she doesn't want to commit. Just yet because she's still like dealing, you know. And Aldous warns her not to take too long to start her life because it's only gonna get harder the longer it takes. Um, and she says that he shouldn't call it a life because it's really death. And then Aldous says, if this isn't life, like what is it? And that dead is just a state of mind. That's right, folks. Death is just a state of mind. Power through it. I mean, I think a lot of Gen Zers and millennials would agree. Yeah. So she leaves and meets her grandma outside and she asks her to bring her to the observation deck so she can see like what her family is up to. And Betty doesn't really want her to go on the first night, but Liz convinces her. She's like, I just need to know like what they're up to. Betty warns Liz about the ODs because people get addicted to them, like just obsessed with life on Earth. Liz just ignores her and goes inside after Betty gives her five Eternums, which is enough for about 25 minutes. So she goes up and she runs into this random woman who's just like crying in the elevator and like. Is talking about how sad she is about her death and whatever. And then she talks to Esther, who is the OD attendant. She goes to binoculars number 15, which is the one she will only ever use. And she looks at her family and she sees that her mom is smoking indoors, even though she quit way back in the day. And then her dad is doing the New York Times crossword, but he's just like tracing over the same word over and over again, which is chauvinism. I don't know if there's like oh. a symbolism okay, in the greater narrative here. And then Alvi's watching cartoons. Nice. So time runs out and the like binoculars shut off. So she puts another coin in. And then at that time, Alvi has a flower pot on his head and he runs over to his parents and he's like, I'm a I'm a pothead. <laughs> and his mom starts yelling at him. And Alvy's like, No, I'm a pothead. And eventually they like manage to get it off. And then he just leaves and comes back and he has a basket, like an Easter basket in his mouth. And he goes, I'm a basket case. <laughs> and then his dad says that prop comedy is the lowest form of humor. Okay. And <laughs> I'm okay. now he's like, no, I'm a basket case like mom. Oh, so then after that, Liz switches to watching her friend Zoe, who's on the phone and she's talking about how much she misses Liz, which like is really gratifying for Liz. And Zoe's actually been broken up with her boyfriend because that's who she was going to go to prom with and she was going to meet Liz to look at prom dresses the day she died. So she feels guilty. She feels really happy that Zoe cried over her. Um, and then she feels a little bit bad for like watching everybody, but then she like rationalizes it. She's like, no, I'm like an angel looking like, looking over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she, she leaves no and she goes to Betty's car and she's like, I'm going to need 24 Eternums every day to go to the observation <laughs> decks because that's about two hours in a day. And Betty's like, I don't know, like you really shouldn't be spending that much time there and you should get an a vacation. And Liz is prepared for this response. And she's like, no, I just need to make peace with my life on earth and everybody there and it's not going to happen forever. So like, don't worry about it. So Betty's like, fine. Mm-hmm this is uh, a yeah. enabling. <laughs> yeah. This is a, I see the, There's a lot of... uh, There's a pattern. There's there's allegory here. Yeah. So now that she has the money, she establishes a routine that just involves spending the whole day at the ODs. And she still only wears her white pajamas from the boat, which are like fucking disgusting now because she just doesn't want to wear anything new. Like she refuses to just like accept and move on. And she spreads her time out throughout the whole day. So even though she only has two hours of time, she'll just stay there all day and like just peek in here and there. Here are a few things that she learns. So her dad was an anthropology professor or is an anthropology professor at Tufts. uh, But he's taken a leave of absence and is now in deep watching daytime talk shows which he (laughs) rationalizes by saying that he's researching a book about why people love daytime talk shows. All right. Um, Albie's still into prop comedy, but he's like really <laughs> <laughs> expanded his uh his jokes. He's done coming out of the closet, shooting fish in a barrel, and watching time stand still. And then she awkwardly watched her parents have sex once. So, I was thinking uh, about this when she was talking about being uncomfortable watching people. I was like, you never know what you're gonna see. And yeah, she did. That's not I don't like that one. She day. found it the whole thing disgusting yet fascinating. Oh no. Her mom cried at the end. No, oh she found it fascinating. <laughs> Yeah. Just don't even... Don't I don't want really to talk about it. No. That. She's also gotten into the habit of, like, playing with the, st- the stitches on her ear for ew, like, comfort because ew. they're the last thing she has from Earth. Ugh. Yeah. So, she meets all the other regulars. Um, notably, there's this one guy who always uses binoculars, number 17, and he um, stays for exactly one hour, and then he leaves, and he's always wearing sunglasses. Always. Was this for his eyes gouged out? Maybe. <laughs> Well, presumably they would like grow back according because like you de-age and some point at some point he would get to the age so it's just just fashion yeah just fashion I guess Fashion. he doesn't explain okay one day she talks to him and he tells her that he watches his wife meanwhile Betty's like you should really get an a vacation also your friend Thandi has called and so has Aldis because you know he tried to get her a job way back then and Liz is like okay whatever one morning after four weeks so it's now been four weeks of her just going to the ODs Betty makes Liz go out with her and like see the sights and Liz has no choice because Betty refuses to give her money to go and she tries to get her to change clothes but she still won't and they head down to the beach and they see these like weird street signs and Betty just explains that this style of sign was really popular before um, billboards and that elsewhere is also where old fads go to die (laughs) are there Furbies there unclear Well, then what's the point? So they go to the beach and they go into a gift shop. There's no one working there. Just a soup can with a note that says out to lunch. Leave payment in can cut yourself a good deal just between us. Wow. So Betty tries to, like tells her to pick something out. Um, and Liz just picks up a book of postcards and a plastic snow globe to like appease her. And Betty keeps pressuring her to like do you want this t-shirt? Do you want these other things? Like trying to connect, but Liz is annoyed. So she just goes outside and she shakes the snow globe, but it starts to leak. And so she throws it onto the pavement and it bounces away. And a little girl picks it up and she's like, hey, can I have this? And Liz is like, yeah. The little girl's like, it doesn't like snow much here. Then she asks how old Liz is. And the girl says that she's four. And so Liz is like, are you really four? Are you fake four? And the girl's like, what are you talking about? She's like, were you always four or were you older? And she just starts to cry because she's four and she doesn't understand anything. So she just drops a snow globe and runs away. Wait, I'm so confused, though. What do you mean? So, like, she... Was this... Shouldn't she know that she's... Her like real age, or does your mind literally? Your like, mind also like de-ages. Oh, I don't. None of this, I don't like it. You don't know. Maybe she really was just four, and she just died, and she was four. Okay, continue anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Betty comes out, and she gives her this t-shirt that she bought inside that says, "My grandma went to elsewhere, and all she got me was this stinky t-shirt." And Liz kind of thinks it's funny, and she puts it on. Um, and Betty says that there aren't many opportunities where a shirt like that actually makes sense as a gift. <laughs> so yeah. she had to buy it. And then Liz finally, like, actually looks her at Betty for the first time and she notices that she looks a lot like her mom and that she's actually kind of funny and that she actually has better things to do than deal with an angsty teenager. And she she feels bad and she wants to apologize for her behavior, but she's still angsty so she doesn't. Okay. Is there, like, an actual plot to this book sort that of, I'm going to be interested in? Sort of. <laughs> There's a lot of exposition. I'm, like, waiting for a lovely bones twist. Ooh, maybe. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and she k- keeps going back to the ODs and prom is coming up now. And she realizes she's not going to have enough money to watch all of prom. So she tells it's on Betty. Netflix,
1: don't worry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she tells Betty that she needs 48 eternums per day now because she's missing out on a lot. And Betty's get like, get a job. Yeah. But he's like, fuck no, you can't have more. So Liz throws a tantrum, stops going to the ODs for a few days just to like save up some money for prom, even though it's like a big sacrifice for her. She watches prom, and she just watches Zoe the whole night, and it's a pretty standard prom. She even sees Zoe lose her virginity, so really just, like, peeking in on... Um, She doesn't actually watch it, but she, like, sees enough that she knows that it happened. But, yeah, yeah. Wait, she... I'm assuming Zoe was older? Because why would a... 16- Zoe is 16. She, like, I am I think they were sophomores, but she might have had an older Yeah, why are they date? going to prom? Yeah, that's weird. Anyway. Anyway, after prom, Liz decides to stop watching Zoe or anybody from school and only watches her immediate family. And then the day of Liz's birthday comes up. She watches her parents and her mom asks her dad if they'll ever find the man who killed her. <laughs> and Liz yells like it was a guy an old yellow cab with a four leaf clover air freshener but they obviously can't hear her oh of course it was a four leaf clover in fucking <laughs> greater Boston the area cab. yeah <laughs> so they they say that the man called 911 from a payphone, but he fled the scene so it was a hit and run and then Liz decides she's gonna find who killed her finally a plot I can get behind so she just uses the ODs now to search for this cab and she finds the cab it's driven by a man named amadou bonamy he's tall with dark skin quote the color of a coconut show and curly black hair i love when people try to get really creative describing skin tones me too it's it's not problematic it's at least this one wasn't like coffee yeah <laughs> mocha <laughs> Um, he has a pregnant wife, he takes night classes at Boston University, he always helps people with their luggage, never takes the long route on purpose, doesn't break traffic laws, except for you know the time when he hit her with his car. Uh he tells bad jokes, listens to NPR, and he has a son who goes to the same school as Alvy. And so she stops looking into him because she doesn't want to know that much about her murderer, because you know he murdered her. And so she leaves and then she asks um Esther if she knows anything about how to make contact, because now she knows who killed her and now she has to tell someone. Like in the real world Esther says no And contacts only for fools So she decides That the only person She can ask for help Curtis Jest Why? (laughs) Couldn't tell you Okay So um, He'd been popular When he first arrived Because he was a celebrity But because no one really cared About who he was Um He's kind of faded into obscurity. So she calls Thandy, who she hasn't talked to in weeks. Yeah. And um, because Thandy works on TV announcing the names of the recently deceased so that their loved ones can go to the pier and meet them. <laughs> So maybe she'll have some information. And Thandy just tells her that she heard a rumor that Curtis was a fisherman now. And Liz is like, why wouldn't he be a musician? And Thandy's like, Curtis did music once, but it obviously didn't make him happy. So like, whatever. He can do whatever he wants. We're all dead. Whatever. Yeah. And then before she hangs up, he's like, you know, it's really nice for you to call me after all this time, after ignoring all my calls and then ask about someone else and not even ask me how I am. And Liz is like, oh my, God, I'm so sorry, but it's been really hard for me right now. And is like, Is there are any redeeming qualities to the main character? Like, I know she's coping, but... She... she we'll find out. Okay. <laughs> She finds Curtis and she tells him that she's going to make contact and it has to do with her death. And Curtis is like, why are you asking me? And she's like, you just seem like a guy who knows things. And he says that one way is to become a ghost by hitching around right on a boat, but there's another way by going to the well, which is a spot in the ocean about a mile offshore and several miles deep where there's supposedly a window to Earth and you can speak through it. So Liz is like, all right, let's do this. So she goes and gets scuba equipment. She scuba dived on Earth, so she has an idea of what she's doing even though she's never done a dive like this by herself she figures out that the well is in the path of one of the lighthouse's beams so like they're connected somehow um and then she borrows some more money to get all like that stuff so betty's like getting more suspicious about what liz is up to but she's been reading this book called how to talk to your recently deceased teen that's like you need to give them space to grieve sounds like a pamphlet from glee yeah and she needs to wait for liz to come to her So Liz buys an infinity tank, which is like, it will never run out of oxygen. And um, a a wetsuit. And then she buys a pair of jeans and a long sleeve shirt so that she can like hide it all from Betty. (laughs) (laughs) she manages to sneak out with all the stuff in it Um, and after like she tells Betty a lie so after she leaves Betty goes into her room and she discovers the oxygen tank box and then she realizes that the uh, that book she was reading also said that you need to know when to stop giving your teens space and she might have like fucked this up a little bit Liz stops by the OD one last time to look at Amadou just to get one final look at it. Yeah. Someone's using her usual pair of binoculars, so she has to use a different pair. And um, she watches him, and he's driving somewhere in a hurry, and he stops at this elementary school and like, runs inside and frantically meets up with a teacher and this little boy. who He's sick, but he didn't want to call Amadou, his father, because he was worried that he had to drive the cab. And Amadou's like, no, don't worry, I'll bring you home. I can make up the fares tomorrow. And so time runs out on the binoculars, and... Liz is like freaks out and she runs onto the beach. She just like sits on the sand. and she starts thinking about Amadou and his family and Betty finds her and Liz tells her everything. And she's like, this guy who killed me, he's actually a really nice guy. And like, I don't think I can tell anybody. That he killed me because like I don't want to ruin his life. But she's confused because she's like, he's a good guy, but like how why would he drive away after he hit me? And Betty's like, people aren't all good or all bad. Most people are in the middle. Wow. Yeah. And then Liz remembers something that she'd been repressing for a long time, which was (laughs) that's a mood. (laughs) Which was that she hadn't looked both ways when she was crossing the street that day. So it was her fault that she got hit by the car. So she'd been distracted thinking about her watch. Um, that her dad gave her that was broken and she forgot to bring it to the mall with her um, and she didn't know if she had time to go back for it because like she didn't have her watch because it was broken it was this whole like circle oh okay so yeah after this point like Liz starts to kind of like break out of her whole thing and she's like sorry Betty I've been a little depressed <laughs> and Betty's like yeah you think <laughs> a little bit then they talk about Liz's mom. Betty and Liz's mom had like a falling out some years before uh, because Betty had an affair and Liz says that her mom forgave Betty because she named She her- also had an affair. No, but she named Liz after Betty because Betty's full name is also Elizabeth and then Betty's like, nah, she probably just felt sad that I died right before you were born. Yep. So Liz gets a job finally. She stops going to the ODs. Um, she works at the Division of Domestic Animals. She's never had a job before because her mom was always like, you'll have your whole life to work, which that didn't really work out. But it's fine, and she meets a dog there. Also, she's only fifteen. Yeah, she's all, yeah. I didn't get my first job till I was sixteen. I don't think you can, unless it's like a family. I think those things so where it has to be like a family business. Basically, you can work at fifteen in Maine. You had to get a uh, worker's permit at fourteen, but you could work between fourteen and sixteen if you had a permit. I don't remember. I didn't yeah. get a job. You would know better for uh, her specific situation in Massachusetts. Yeah, I didn't have time for a job in high school. <laughs> So yeah, as she's at the uh, domestic animals division, she meets this dog in the restroom where she's changing and the uh, dog's drinking out of the toilet and she's like, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. And the dog's named Sadie and they start talking. She's horrified. Because Liz tells her, like, what a toilet really is. And she's like, I can't believe I'm drinking out of this place where humans pee. And then Sadie asks if Liz will adopt her. And she's like, maybe, if Betty agrees. So um, Josie is this lady who works at the um, domestic animals place. And she's like, oh, my God, Liz, I didn't know you could speak canine. And Liz is like, I can't. And she's like, you were literally just talking to a dog right now. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was talking to that dog. Like, she didn't notice that she was actually talking to the dog. Okay. Yeah. So, whatever. She adopts Sadie. She also talks to this chihuahua named Paco who's really confused and, like, can't figure out that he's dead. He thinks that his human is dead. Whatever. She gets Thandy to adopt Paco and whatever. That's just her life now. She remembers, though, that her father's birthday is coming up. And she remembers that she bought him this really expensive sweater and she hid it in her closet like months before she died. And she's really sad because she's like, he's ever going to find this gift is just going to like rot under this house forever. So she decides I'm going to go to the well and I'm going to tell him that the sweater is hidden in my closet. So she gets all her shit, goes to the beach at sunset and she gets all the way down to the well. And um, she can like sense people, but she can't really see. And then she finds the window where she sees her whole family eating dinner. So she goes up to it and she starts, she yells into it. She's like, hey, look at my closet. It's Liz, look at my closet. There's a sweater under the floorboards. And all the faucets turn on in her house. And, Haunting. <laughs> yeah. And then her parents get up to turn them all off. But Alvy is still seated. And he's like, he can hear a noise coming from the water. So um, they shut them all off. But then it turns on again because Liz starts speaking again. And Alvy's like, I think I can hear Liz. And his mom starts to cry. And she yells that there's something under the floorboards in her closet. And Alvy's like, don't worry. I'll take care of it. Right at that moment, she's yanked out of the water by this net and pulled onto a boat. And there's a man there with dark hair and sunglasses who's like really familiar. You might remember him from the ODs. I wonder who it is. His name is Owen Wells with the... Elsewhere Bureau of Supernatural Crime and Contact. <laughs> wow. Dream job. Yeah. So he's like, did you know your, what you were doing was illegal? And she's like, yeah. Um, no, you never admit it. And she's like, can you take your sunglasses off? Because it's like, I just want to be able to tell how much trouble I'm in. And he he always wears sunglasses all the time because he thinks they make him look more authoritative. <laughs> And then she's like, you don't need sunglasses at night anyway, which he hates when people bring that up. So now he's really definitely not going to take them off. He has her look through this telescope on the main deck, and that's where she sees her brother in her parents' closet, like, Feeling around for loose boards and she starts panicking because he's in the wrong closet. Yeah. And then their father starts yelling at him for making up stories. And then Alvi starts crying. He tries to explain, but then his father goes to slap him, but he stops at the last moment and starts crying himself. And Liz is just horrified. And Owen's like, this is what happens when you try to make contact and, you know, people freak out. And Liz is like, this isn't my fault. This is your fault because you pulled me out before I could explain. And he's like, well, fuck, but whatever. You can't do it. Living need to go on living and you need to get on with your life. And um, he finally takes off his sunglasses. He He explains that he died young, too, when he was 26. She's like, whatever, you got to do so much more than me, so I don't care. He asked what she was trying to tell them, and so she explains that, like she was just trying to tell him about this birthday present he's like really because most people try to like give messages about money or like where bodies are buried or like things with wills and whatnot like you really just this is a stupid reason to get arrested basically and he just ends up letting her off with a warning because it's her first offense I guess and he starts like getting hung up on this whole like sweater thing he's like what a weird reason to go to the well so when she wakes up the next day she notices the stitches in her ear are gone and she starts panicking she's like I gotta go find them and then she's like that's so crazy to try to find them in the ocean and then she realizes she has no idea even how long they've been gone so she just starts hysterically laughing like just having like a a breakdown and betty comes in she's like what's so funny and liz is like i was arrested last night tells her the whole story and how she's upset that her brother's last memory of her will be getting him in trouble basically and that she should have said something more meaningful to him like that she loved him and betty's like oh i'm so sorry here's like a tip for helping you like come to terms write a short list of the things you miss the most about earth and then throw that list away and then like just accept that you're never gonna have those things again so this is liz's list number one Bagels and locks with her family on Sunday morning specifically. Yeah. Number two, the feeling that something good might be around the corner. Number three, various smells. The sweet cookie smell of mom, the acrid, stingy, soapy smell of dad, the yeasty bread-like smell of Aldi. Okay, we <laughs> Really too detailed. People don't have smells. I refuse. People have unless smells. you wear perfume. People have smells. No! <laughs> And then number four is her pocket watch. So she throws the list away and she just starts thinking about about the watch. It was her father's pocket watch before it was hers. And he gave it to her on her 13th birthday and made her promise to take care of it. And she's just devastated that he would find the watch, which was broken because she never had time to fix it and like think that she didn't care about it. So now we get to learn about Owen Wells. He was born and raised in New York City. He had an, quote, easy and trauma-free childhood. I don't believe that's possible. Yeah, neither do drive. <laughs> Apparently he did. <laughs> so he must have no sense of humor. No, he's a weird guy. <laughs> he met this girl, Emily, when he was 13. They lived right next door to each other and they shared a bedroom wall so they would communicate in Morse code at night. Wow. Obviously, they fell in love. Oh, of course. She went to college in Massachusetts. Ellen stayed in New York for college. They got married at 22 um, and moved to Brooklyn Hey. and then they made a really big point about Emily being surprisingly traditional and taking Owen's last name okay that's yeah. as if that was like really against the norm but whatever especially because okay we, we're putting this book so Thaddy or whoever the Sandy Sandy <laughs> I don't know any, I haven't I don't the <laughs> these characters don't matter no they so don't. she's a victim of the DC sniper which we established was 2002 and he's been dead how long 10 years 10 years So we're saying in 1992, people weren't traditional in taking the man's last name? Apparently not. All right. Emily went to med school. Owen became a firefighter. I don't know why he went to college if he was just planning to become a firefighter anyway, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, but then he died at 26 in a fire. He was trying to find a cat in a burning building, but he didn't find it until they were both on the SS Nile on their way to elsewhere. So he tried like all this shit to try to get back to Earth. He tried stowing away on the boat, but he got caught. Then he got addicted to the OD and he would just spent all day watching Emily. He has the record for the most dives to the well 117 times. He tried to communicate with Emily um, but really he just ended up driving her insane because she would hear him and then she would like freak out because he was dead. And then she dropped out of med school and just like waited for him to come back and then he's like I gotta stop because I'm ruining this girl's life. So... His experience diving to the well made him a perfect fit for working for, like, the Bureau of Supernatural Crime and Contact. So that's how he got to become a detective. He's 17 now, and he only allows himself to watch Emily for one hour a week on Thursdays. She's now 35, a burn specialist, and has never remarried, and she still wears her wedding ring. And Owen also wears a new wedding band that he bought on elsewhere and he's now feeling really guilty for interrupting Liz's dive so he's like all right I'm gonna fix this he dives down and because he's an expert he's like really good at it and he contacts Alvy and he says that he's a friend of Liz and he tells him where the sweater is so they find it Liz's dad is really touched to find the gift so Owen goes and finds Liz and is like hey took care of that whole sweater thing for you sorry for the little snafu and she's like well I'm so grateful come to Thanksgiving at my house (laughs) Oh, so Thanksgiving is still a thing on Elsewhere, even though um, everybody's dead. And it's not just Americans. Yeah, so only Americans on elsewhere celebrate basically. Okay. Yeah. So, Owen's, like, a little conflicted about going to Thanksgiving because, like, he doesn't like celebrating holidays without his loved ones and whatever, but he accepts the invitation. And she's also invited a few other people, like Aldous and Thandy. and she invited Curtis, too, but he declined because he's British, and he finds the holiday, quote, rather maudlin. This guy. Okay. I mean... <laughs> And then Betty thinks it's really weird that Liz invited Owen in the first place because he's the one who arrested her. And she's like, would you plan to invite an axe murderer, too? Which is like a joke. But I'm like, are there axe murderers on elsewhere? Like, how but, does that work? Well, they don't establish if this heaven and hell concept. Yeah. Yet. So I'm like, is there any sorting of good and evil? Like, can you? I mean, they have a crime division. Well, hmm, that's a good question. Yeah. That's, like, my biggest question about this whole universe now. It's never mentioned outside of that one moment where she's like, would you invite an axe murderer? And Liz is like, if I could find one, maybe. Ha-ha. Is there one? Could you be an axe murderer? Anyway. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Some food for thought. So everybody shows up. Betty gives everybody wine, including Sandy and Liz, who are teenagers. And Liz says that she's had wine before, so clearly she was, like, a cool teenager. (laughs) I don't know if that's really... She could be talking about church wine maybe they toast to laughter i hate everything about this book <laughs> and then after dinner Owen helps Liz wash the dishes and he rolls up his sleeves and he has a tattoo on his arm there's a heart with the words Emily Forever written inside do they have tattoo parlors in elsewhere no oh. so that comes up later so, um, what if that's your passion well, and that's all you want to do don't worry I'll talk about that in a hot second okay <laughs> <laughs> but they just like talk a little bit he's whistling and she doesn't really like whistling but she doesn't tell him to stop and for some reason this makes her laugh really hard and she's like I haven't laughed this hard since before I died Back when she was at the mall with her friend Zoe and they laughed at a boob joke. (laughs) It's like, okay. Am I going to enjoy anything from this book? (laughs) Probably not. Okay, great. Just want um, to set that straight right now. Okay. Yeah. So Owen tells her about how he got addicted to the ODs. And this is apparently called Watcher Syndrome. And then he remembers that Thanksgiving is uh, on a Thursday. and He's like, oh, fuck, I got to go. I got to go see my wife. So he runs to the ODs. He manages to get there before it closes. But Emily and... is with another man. No, she's brushing her hair. Oh. <laughs> and he watches her for about 30 seconds before he stops. And he's like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> like my second life, whatever. Like Second life. I'm just wasting my life watching Emily instead of making new relationships. It doesn't do me any good and it doesn't do her any good. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to adopt a dog. All right. So he meets up with Liz and he starts meeting dogs. He never had one before because Emily's allergic. And he meets this golden retriever named Jen and she can understand English but he can't understand canine so that's fine. She likes both because that's important because he wants to bring the dog to work with him. And uh, she can use toilet which is like okay. Why? I don't know. She just can. Why? Don't know. I hate this. Yeah. So Liz and Sadie go to Owen's next week and they have a play date with Jen and Owen cooks for Liz and then they go to the park and Owen tells her about how Emily's allergy prevented him from having a dog. And she tells him she's jealous of how he says her name and that no one would ever say her name like that. And then he says just a classic, you're an unpopular teen line, which is that boys are just intimidated by her. (laughs) Like, no. (laughs) People told me about that when I was in college. Yeah. People have been telling me that my whole life. (laughs) And I... I value the power. Yeah, I'm like, okay. So, Owen says, if I'd known you, I might have said your name that way, which is, I just need to unpack this. Owen is currently 17, but he died when he was 26. He's been here for 10 years, so he's, like, basically 35. Yeah. And she's 15. Yeah, this is horrible. Yeah. But this raises the question... If you if you could have a relationship <laughs> with any dead historic figure who would it be? I don't you know I hate history. Could I name a single historic figure right now? Well, you definitely like you could name like famous people who died. Yeah, but like who's I don't really even care about celebrities. Oh, wow, Mary, latest to is this perfect opportunity <laughs> to, to just just pick your dream significant other. I really don't know. Like I'm, I'm completely honest right now I don't know. Oh, why who do you do you have someone in mind? Um, <laughs> Oh, <sighs> hmm. there's different ways I could take this. On the one hand, I could go for for someone, for some like crazy historical figure to date them, and then to just ruin their life. Uh, that's an option. <laughs> like, just date, like, fucking, like, some Roman emperor. <laughs> like, <laughs> just date Nero and be like, I'm going to fucking ruin you, man. For the sake of saying I ruined you, Maximilian <laughs> Robespierre. Be like, you thought you were a terror? Meet me. So there's no one I want to actually date. I guess there's just people I want to, you know. <laughs> fun. Ruin their lives. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, I don't have anybody. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) 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 Um, so she she's like you can't say my name that way because you're already taken so that'd be wrong and then she's like hey I have a weird request will you teach me how to parallel (laughs) park And he's like, okay. Because she wants to get her driver's license and she feels awkward driving with Betty after that time when she crashed her car. And she needs to learn how to parallel park and do three-point turns or whatever. I love three-point turns. So they start having driving lessons during which time Owen tells her that her parking issue is psychological. Like, she can do it, but she, like, won't let herself do it. I wonder what's preventing her. And then she calls Thandy about it afterward and she's like, yeah, it's definitely psychological. And then she suggests that it's because she doesn't want Owen like the class with Owen to end because she's in love with him and Liz is like just hangs up <laughs> uh, and then she succeeds in parking on the first try on her next lesson so then she has lunch with Curtis and she's like how do you know if you're in love? Why and, is Curtis an expert on everything to this girl? So he says that he thinks love is when a person believes that he, she, or it can't live with the another he, she, or it and she says that they're dead. about days. Yeah he uses it bizarrely. What about these? I know. He tried, but it didn't succeed. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, she says that they're dead, so... They all have to live without people they love all the time. And he's like, no, it's only the belief that you need that person because nobody actually needs another person or another person's love to survive. Oh, I vibe with that. And love is when you irrationally convince yourself that you do. (laughs) So (laughs) then he laughs at her and she's like so confused. And she thinks that it should have something to do with making each other happy. And he says that only someone who has never been in love would ask such an absurd question. And then she goes home and she starts considering of like whether or not she's in love with Owen and she says she isn't because Owen's in love with his wife and according to Curtis, laughing, having fun and being happy has nothing to do with being in love so she's not in love with him. Obviously, which is Obviously. Again, a big relief. Meanwhile, Owen's having his own crisis. He like realizes he hasn't done anything with his life, so he's trying to like think of ways to fill his time now. And Jen, his dog, is like, you should call Liz because you're in love with her, but he can't understand what she's saying because he still can't speak canine. She manages to get him to take her on a walk, and she leads him to Liz's house where they talk for a little while, and she tells him that she has to wait till January to get her license because the elsewhere DMV is mainly involved in taking away people's driver's licenses and not, like giving them so they have really limited test times he leaves and she's like you should come by my house again someday and he responds maybe i'll stop by your house every day (laughs) i hate this yeah so christmas comes liz gives owen a book for how to speak canine and owen gives her fuzzy dice for the car um and they have a few more practice sessions before that and the night before her test he takes her hand and he tells her that he likes her very much and she says she likes him too and he's like what i meant by like you i really meant i love you and she's like me too again he's 35 and she is like 16 yeah this is the pedophilia yeah it's weird it's so i hate it so she passes her test owen congratulates her and then um he says that he can't let her out on the roads until she passes one like final test which is going to the (laughs) drive-in (laughs) And he jokes that this is driving practice, but she says it's a date. And then she tells him that she likes how he speaks in code where he'll say things like, oh, like, we're just going to, like, do dishes when really they're having dinner or like, oh, we're having driving practice. We're going to the drive in. This is just poor communication. Yeah. So they go to the drive in four weeks in a row. And Liz mentions that by this time they should have made it to the backseat. And Owen's like, no, that would be weird. And he says that he's older than her. And she's like, no, it's only two years. And he's like, no, it's two years in a lifetime. And then he says that intimacy doesn't have much to do with the backseat of a car. But the real image. Wait, that's the same as the the teacher in Hush Hush who the first thing he says in sex ed is sex is more than 15 minutes in the back of a car. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, intimacy doesn't have much to do with the backs of the cars and that real intimacy is brushing your teeth together. (laughs) What? So, yeah, she's like, whatever. He takes off his jacket and she just stares at the tattoo and is like, super bright right now and she's like why did you get a tattoo and he says he got it when he was 16 and he doesn't know why it's so bright because he assumed it would fade away uh, but it's only gotten brighter the longer he's been here and then she suggests that he get her name tattooed on him too and he's like tattoos don't work in elsewhere because of the reverse aging thing so mm-hmm. like as soon as you get it it just goes away right away so it's just a lot of pain for nothing so i don't do they have tattoo artists like how would you even know that like someone tried it again like if that's your passion so, that just sucks okay, for you is his gonna go away when he passes from 16 to 15 yes okay and then she, he got a tattoo when he was 16 yeah i knew a girl in high school who had a tattoo oh, I guess you did. it's like if you get your parents permission yeah or you okay. just go to a shady tattoo shop anyway <laughs> she jokes that he should get liz for now tattooed on his ass as a gesture and he calls her a sadist It was just really uncomfortable. This whole section was so uncomfortable to read. I don't... I I hate this. So then we go back to Thandi briefly. At work one day, she sees a familiar name on the arrivals list. So she calls Liz and she's like, hey, that girl... Emily Wells, Owen's wife... Oh, my God. I knew it. Is coming I tomorrow. I knew it. So Liz meets up with Owen, and she's like, do you think there's only one elsewhere? Like, do you think there's multiple? And he's like, no, there's definitely only one. And then she's so, like... So are the axe murderers here? Maybe Emily was killed by an axe murderer. Maybe she is an axe murderer. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> so she tells him that Emily's coming, and she, he's really shocked to hear that she's dead. And Liz is like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to meet her at the pier, and then she'll come live with me. And... She's like, what about us? And he's like, I'm sorry, I love you. But like, I love Emily first. What about us? (laughs) What about everything we've been (laughs) through? what about Trump? That's basically what their conversation is. Yeah. So she breaks it off and she's like, we'll just be friends. And he's like, oh, thank God. And he's relieved, but she's heartbroken. So Emily arrives and her husband is t- a teenager. <laughs> yeah. So she arrives and she recognizes him. She's 36 now, but apparently she looks the same as she did 10 years ago. They were really touching reunion. And she's like, why are you so young? Like, what happens now? And he's like, oh, like people age in reverse and you can come live with me because you're my wife. And she goes, am I still? And he's like yeah and then she goes what about the till death do us part thing oh, I'm sorry the police are coming to arrest the pedophile <laughs> are there there should be police cuz this is so weird it's so weird she's like you're only 2 years older than me like physically yes again it's the whole like i'm a 100 year old vampire by, what i call the tuck everlasting uh, oh that comes up later too tuck everlasting <laughs> yeah am like tuck everlasting that gets is mentioned wrong. <laughs> yeah she reads tuck everlasting later in the book okay and yeah, so anyway, she's like, what about that tell death to us part thing? And he's like, I always thought of us as married, didn't you? And she just, like, has this awkward pause. And she's like, yeah, in a way, I guess I did. Mm, yeah. She paused. So she she's died. to go hook up with Picasso. Mm. I I would assume Picasso is gone by. Oh now. right, you <laughs> you you leave at some point. Yeah. So Emily, uh, that's sad. I wanted to meet Picasso. No, hmm. I would love to meet. It means Picasso. I can't. Damn, I can't ruin Maximilian Robespierre's life. Uh, uh, never I would mind. I want to watch Midnight in Paris. <laughs> never seen that movie. It's uh, funny. So Emily died of the flu, even though she's a doctor and she had a vaccine and she thinks it's a really stupid way to die but she died. So they get home and she starts to sneeze when they get to Owen's apartment and Owen remembers that she's allergic to dogs and he left Jen at Liz's house for the night because like he wanted to have some privacy but he goes and he gets her back um, the next day when Emily's at her acclimation appointment and when Emily and Jen meet Emily can actually speak canine naturally and Emily tells her that like maybe my allergy will go away maybe it's psychosomatic and it's just like lingering because I just died and Jen's like, I don't want to live with someone who's always sneezing around me. That's awkward. Is that that what Cheeto thinks about us? Cheeto, how do you feel about living with people who are allergic to you? I don't think he cares. No, he doesn't. He's he's too secure. (laughs) Yeah. So Jen's like, I don't want to live with someone who sneezes around me all the time. So Emily translates this for Owen, who's like, oh, thank God. I'm glad Jen suggested it before I had to suggest it. And then... Jen's upset because Owen, like, agreed to basically find her a new home right away. And she's like, maybe Emily should move out because I lived here first. And Owen's like, no, Emily's my wife. She gets to stay. So he makes Jen sleep outside that night, which is really upsetting to her because when Owen adopted her, he promised that she would always be allowed to sleep on the couch. When's the sea captain coming back? The ship captain. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) All I want. Owen takes Jen to Liz's house. Owen tells Liz that Emily died of the flu and... Liz was like, who even dies of the flu except old people anyway? Um. (laughs) And then she says, everything is changing all because stupid Emily couldn't be bothered to wash her hands properly. Coronavirus. (laughs) I I was like, this is a little too close, close to home right now. (laughs) So Owen gets back to the house and Emily's like, I'm going to be a keeper of books as my new avocation because I can't be a doctor anymore. And this is a person who watches people reading on the ODs and then transcribes the books for people to read on elsewhere. And Owen's like, that's surprising to hear and she's like i'm different now than like when you knew me 10 years ago so then he's like tell me everything that happened in the last 10 years in 30 seconds so she tells him about how she went to med school went into burn treatment in his honor became a doctor spent time with her sister who's getting a divorce um her sister had a son who she named owen and then she tells owen that she was actually pregnant when he died but she lost the baby and you know this already Does no he watched her all the time no, he he he's like I didn't know this at all. Like I watched you all the time, and I didn't know. And she said she didn't even know at the time that she was pregnant. She only um was two months along, and then she lost it. And um she's like, what happens to babies that oh were god, born? here we are. <laughs> and she, he says he doesn't know for sure, but he like assumes that they don't make it all the way down the river, and they just like float back until they get enough strength to like continue on, and then they become somebody okay. else's baby and she's like really comforted by the fact that like her baby didn't just die it became a new baby so then after this she starts sleeping on the couch because they have opposite schedules um, and things start to annoy him about her like how she's really messy and she starts projects around the house but doesn't finish them and they like frequently run out of things to talk about but Owen's like uh, just starts to ignore it because he's like she's my wife I have to love her <laughs> Liz comes by to pick up Jen's favorite toy Emily answers they chat for a bit and then Liz just leaves abruptly because she hates Emily so much. And when she gets home, she tells Betty that Emily is very pretty and very adult. And then she starts crying. And Betty's like, don't worry. Like, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Blah, 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 blah. Let's have Owen and Emily over for dinner because that'll be fun. That makes sense. So they come over the next week and it's really awkward. And they don't stay very long because Emily's allergies act up, even though the dogs are locked in Liz's bedroom. And on the way home, Emily's like, do you like Liz? And Owen's like, doesn't say anything. And she's just knows that she's right. And she's like, you know, it's natural. Like Liz is around your age. And like, you wouldn't have known that I was gonna die so soon. And Owen's like, I love you and I'll always love you. Meanwhile, Jen has peed on Liz's bed because she thought Owen was coming to take her home. So Liz is pissed off. She's like, this isn't right. I'm gonna go give him a piece of my mind. So she goes to his house and they start yelling at each other and whatever. And then there's an awkward pause. They kiss. Oh, She wow. doesn't know who initiated it, but she's like, oh my God, we kiss. As they pull away, who saw? Emily. Wow. So Liz leaves. It's really awkward. And it's just like, it's so it's so stupid. <laughs> a few days later, all this drops by Liz's work and they have this weird conversation about Shakespeare. And then he's like, hey, like, just to let you know, next week is your one year anniversary of living on Elsewhere. And she's like, okay. He's like, I just needed to come by as a formality to let you know, like, this is your last chance to use the sneaker clause which was going back to Earth early. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And he's like, wait, are you kidding me? Like, I thought you had a good transition. Like, you really want to go back? And she's like, yeah, what do I have to do? So she just has to go to the beach on Sunday. And he suggests that she talk to her loved ones about it. So the only person she ends up telling about sneaking is Curtis. Because she knows that Betty, Thandy, or Sadie would try to talk her out of it. She tells Curtis that it's not about Owen. And maybe she just wishes she could have what he has. And that she wants to be somebody's first. And it feels like she's getting everything secondhand. And Curtis is like, that happens on Earth too like everything you ever experience will have happened to somebody before you Yeah, like you shouldn't do it she starts yelling at him she's like you're just a fisherman when you could have been a rock star and he's like I like fishing and like trying to make a point he's like I met a gardener named John Lennon last week (laughs) That she's like what and he's like she doesn't get it at all well okay so he had to have been joking because of our whole we established the regression when did John Lennon die? 80s and he was maybe in his 40s Yeah, so he would still be. He would still be there. He would still be there. Yeah, I I don't know how old he was. (laughs) I, I feel like 40s might be too old. He died 1980. Oh, 80 on the dot. And he was 40. Wait, no, that was 40 years ago. Why does it tell you 40 years ago? How old was he when he died? Oh, that's the murder of John Lennon Wikipedia page. Not. (laughs) 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 He was also 40 years old. is it one of those things I subconsciously knew? Like the date of the moon landing? It well, was weird. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, wait, so when does this book take place? 2002. Oh, yeah, so he's still he's, there. Yeah, okay. he's still been there. Yeah. Yeah. Because he wouldn't be there now. You wouldn't be there now, but yeah, he was that there That was then. my, I yes. lost sense of time in this book <laughs> because I hate every second of it. Yeah, so. But we're in the age of the DC sniper, right? Yes. So she goes home, she writes a note to Betty telling her that she went back to Earth and that she's sorry and like, please take care of Jen and Sadie. Meanwhile, Owen hears Emily knocking Morse code at him from the living room. I'm like, when they were kids. She asks if he wants her to go and then she says that she wants to go and that things aren't working out. They Do you still- know how long this conversation would take? I know. For <laughs> one <laughs> word. Ages. Ages. <laughs> Um, so then they like meet up in person and they're like I, we still love each other but Emily confesses that she actually started seeing someone else like not too long before she died and he's surprised to hear this because he hadn't seen anything about it and then she tells him that like she could tell when he was watching and she knew that he had stopped oh casual well because they had so much I don't know they don't explain it so then she tells him that it's okay for him to be in love with someone else and then he says that he thought he loved Liz because she reminded him of Emily at first but like now it's different and then he like closes her his eyes. And when he opens them again, she's gone. And then his arm starts aching. His tattoo disappears. Emily just disappeared. She just left. It's really weird. I had to reread that paragraph like three times because like the timeline was so weird. I don't like any of this. Yeah. So he goes to sleep. But before he does, he's like, I'm going to go see Liz first thing in the morning. However, that morning she wakes up at 4 a.m. to go to the beach in secret because she has to be there before sunrise. Yeah. So she goes there. She meets with this woman named Dolly and she's like, I'm a sneaker. So she has to get swaddled like a baby. She has to <laughs> take off all her clothes. And then she like gets wrapped up like a mummy. And um, Dolly's like, why would you go back to Earth? Like It's all life. So why are you in such a rush to get back? And Liz doesn't answer. And then sunrise comes. So Dolly just Pushes her into the river and then she's just floating, floating down the water. Flashback to Curtis who can't sleep. So he runs to Liz's house early in the morning. He gets there at 6.15. Betty opens the door. He's immediately taken aback by her beauty. You thought there wasn't going to be a hot single mom in this story, but there is. And it's Betty. (laughs) Oh my God. So he introduces himself and he's like, I need to talk to Liz. Owen shows up at that moment too. He's like, I gotta talk to Liz. And then Curtis tells them all that Liz is playing to sneak and they're like, fuck, it's past sunrise. So they all rush to the beach. Meanwhile, Liz is floating away and as she's getting pulled toward Earth, she starts thinking about like all her friends and Betty and the dogs and Owen. And then she suddenly wonders like, maybe I made a huge mistake. Well, wow. and she's like, is this too late? Like, can I go back? She starts fighting and like trying to get out of the swaddling material, but it's like hardened like plaster now. She manages to get a tiny hole, which lets her move a little bit. She frees her left arm, tries to pull herself out of the water, but then she just starts to sink and she hits the ocean floor and passes out. And when she wakes up the next morning, she can't move, but her heart is still beating and she's just neither dead nor alive. She's a ghost. So back on elsewhere, Curtis, Betty and Owen are obviously too late to uh, get her. So Owen gets this boat and they start looking for her in the ocean just in case she decided to swim back. But they can't find anything They search for two days And then But he's like Maybe we should just like Give up Like it's it's too late and No one's like I'm gonna stay out here One more day You guys go home Curtis is like I'm so sorry I didn't say anything to you earlier They find the note At Betty's house And he's like I think she just wanted To fall in love And whatever So um, Curtis and Betty Have a moment not romantic, just like mutually grieving Liz. Okay. Yeah. So Liz is trapped at the bottom of the ocean still. She can't break free and swim to the surface. But on the second night she's there, she's found by two mermaids. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mermaid. Two mermaids. Two mermaids. Two mermaids. What? <laughs> so apparently, um, mermaids live in the ocean between Earth and elsewhere. Oh, and um, they call her stupid because she can't talk underwater, and she has small breasts. <laughs> So they call her a slug and they swim away. What? That's literally all that happened. Mary! I didn't think this book could get worse and it did. Oh my god. So uh, on the third night she hears a noise and she looks up and she sees a, a shape moving on the surface and she sees the shape of her old pocket watch and then she's all of a sudden like just, she has to go get it. So she starts like wriggling and she manages to break free. She starts swimming to the surface and when she gets out, she doesn't see the watch but she sees Owen's boat. So he pulls her up on the boat and he's like oh my god are you okay she's really tired he brings her home and um she's like how did you learn how to drive a boat natural question he tells her that his grandfather taught him he was a ship captain on earth and elsewhere and he just retired again because he's about six years old that child the captain of the ss nile (laughs) oh my when you said he was coming back no he's not coming back i thought you meant for something exciting no he just gets mentioned I wish it was more exciting. So Liz has to recuperate at a healing center for about two weeks. Everybody's really relieved. Um, all this comes back. He cries. She tells him that she finally read Midsummer Night's Dream. And now she's reading Hamlet, but she okay, doesn't. The only part of the book I would have cared about was that sh- Shakespeare conversation. It's just Blastover. that basically he tells, tells her, her, her to those. read Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. Okay. And now she's reading Hamlet, but she doesn't like it as much because Hamlet's obsessed with dying. <laughs> I loved Hamlet. And she's like, if only he knew what we knew. And he's like, ha, yeah. Well, we're going to get into a lot of Hamlet talk. oh i can't wait i never read hamlet we're not talking about hamlet so oh oh, wait okay you knew that i was like why a novel hamlet (laughs) it's on the list so curtis visits while she's in the healing center and she's like he's like is betty dating anyone (laughs) and ask if he has a chance with her and Liz is like it's kind of weird like Betty's older than you and he's like I just think she's so full of wisdom and warmth like I just love that he, she's older than you and she's like alright whatever do whatever you want so a few days later she gets to go home Curtis comes back he, he tries to ask Betty out but she doesn't get it so Liz talks to Betty about it and then whatever a week later comes he asks her out it accepts I don't know why they've spent so much time on this portion no Owen, meanwhile, spends a lot of time with her. Um, He tells her about his life. He has Jen back. Emily moved away. Okay. It's just whatever. Time passes. Part three. Finally, we're at of part two. Part three. Which I'm is- sorry. There's more to this book? It's really short. Okay. Part three is called Antique Lands. So five years go by and um, Owen tells her, tells Liz that someone from Earth has been trying to contact her. She has received a message in a bottle from her friend Zoe. Inviting her to her wedding. So Owen suggests, like, they watch you from the ODs, but Liz doesn't want to because she's still, like, sour about the fact that Zoe skipped her funeral. But Zoe also sent her a note that, like, tells her all about her life now, and she apologizes for not going to the funeral, so... Liz is like, all right, I'll go to the wedding. I want to give a toast. They go to the well. And there's another moment where, like, she's putting on her diving equipment. But because she's, like, nine years old now, it doesn't really fit well. No. And um, Owen teases her about it. And she's like, well, you're 11 now. And he's like, if it were Earth, I'd be 41. And then she says, if they were still on Earth, she'd be 21. And they would have never met. Yeah. Yeah like they just keep pointing out that this is a really weird relationship (laughs) yeah so they go to the well they see the wedding they see liz's parents and alvy are there and they try to make contact but there's no like nearby sinks eventually alvy gets up and approaches a water fountain they'd been trying to use for a while and he's like lizzie is that you and he explains that he's always listened to water ever since that first time she tried to contact him just in case she was trying to talk to him again so he tells him her a little bit about his life where like he skipped a grade and he's in debate. He's happy that she's happy and whatever. And there's not enough time because they set up like a pickup for Zoe to come talk to her. So they just, like, have it touching for a while and then they're pulled out of the water. And then Liz is like, I wish I could have gotten married too. And Owen's like, I offered to marry you. And she's like, I'm too young and I was too young back then. And then he's like, I'm going to ask her to marry me now. But she doesn't hear him. And then he never tries to ask her again. I'm like, this is so weird. <laughs> yeah, there's so nothing weird. okay about any of no. this. No, and then the following week, Curtis asks Liz for her permission so he can marry Betty. She says yes, they get married married. It's a nice wedding. Um, the next year, when Liz is eight, Sadie becomes a puppy again. And then she gets released. And it's it's very sad. And Liz is like, I'm never going to have another dog. And she's not really sad, but she's like scared that people won't take care of Sadie well on earth. Like, there's a lot of uncertainty there. And one month later, Lucy arrives in Elsewhere. Wow! Wow! <laughs> She's 13, and she passed away peacefully. So they have uh, a cute little reunion, and Lucy's gained some weight. So this is where Liz tells her "multum in parvo," that Latin phrase, which means "much in little," uh, which yep. is the quote pug motto and favorite joke of Liz's family because Lucy tends to gain weight what the easily. Fuck is a- Pug I guess a pug, it's a pug motto. One. I don't know if that's like a generally accepted motto for pugs or not. Okay, no. And then a year later, on the day when Liz is set to retire from the division of domestic animals, she's visited by Amadou Bonamy the guy who killed her. Oh. He finds her at the office and he explains that he just died of lung cancer even though he didn't smoke and then he tells her that he became a teacher many years ago when he finished college and that he is always despaired over the fact that he hit her and never stopped. She points out that, you know, he called 911 but he says that he kept wishing that he would get caught but she says it wasn't his fault because she hadn't looked both ways when she was crossing the street. It's legitimately something from the American Kennel Club. Wow. How do you know? <laughs> the pug has a motto. Anyway, so he explains that the reason he didn't stop when he hit her is because his son was very sick and they had crazy medical bills and he knew that if he lost the cab or if her parents asked for money like he'd just be ruined so why did Zoe skip the funeral if she was not she was just sad I like this better when she was (laughs) when she was like yeah responsible no Uh But he just like drove away out of desperation, and he asked for her forgiveness, which she says she forgave him a long time ago. He still feels guilty because he stole so many good years for her from her, but she's already made peace. And then when he's about to leave, she asks if he wants a balloon for his son. He asks how she knew his son was there, and she admits that she'd been watching him for like off and on for many years. And she says that his son is a good boy, and Amadou is a good man. Okay, yeah. So then more years pass. Owen and Lizzie de-age. They become more childlike mentally. Liz refers to like the time that they were having driving lessons and dogs and stuff, like it was a game because she can't really like realize that it was real life. Mm-hmm. And then she gets distressed because she thinks that she died. And then Owen distracts her by reading Tuck Everlasting to her. That's some uh, uh this this guy uh, this guy who <laughs> we could say is a pedophile <laughs> reading a book about was really grooming and pedophilia. Yeah. I, I when did I read that? I read that in school. I never read it. Um, I watched the movie. I think it was like sixth grade. Never seen the movie, but I've, I deep dove on Tuck Everlasting. Who knows why? And I hate everything about it. Not- it was a broad... Okay, also it was a Broadway show oh. and they casted Tuck as a guy in his like 20s who just, he looks young, but he was in his 20s and the what's the main character? I don't know. Winnie. Winnie, Winnie. yes. Winnie. Winnie Winnie was played by a child. It got really bad reviews. And it was uh, closed really quickly. Yeah. I think that's when I deep dove on the actual source material. Yeah. That's not good. It's not good. So, um... The day of Liz's second release comes finally. We're almost at the end of this book. Um, Betty oh. brings her. It's the same nurse who dealt with her when she was a sneaker. All of their friends come. Shelly is there with baby Thandy, who's like get, about to get released as well. Curtis and Owen are there. Emily's actually now Owen's babysitter because Owen's two. So Liz is released and Curtis asks Owen if like he knew who that was. And Owen's like... What? And then he's like, it was our friend Liz. And then Owen starts to cry. And they go back and they have a birthday party, which is basically like a, a reverse funeral. Everyone wears white and they have this it's a girl banner hung up in the house and they eat birthday cake and drink champagne. And Betty gives a speech. And um, as Liz is traveling down the river, she like has coherent thoughts. <laughs> okay, sure. She's like thinking about her life and how she'd liked her life on elsewhere, and she's okay with being a baby again, and she's no longer afraid of life. And then she falls asleep, cradled by the waves, falls into dreams, and then at 6:24 a.m., a baby girl is born. She weighs six pounds, ten ounces. The mom takes the baby and asks, Who are you, my little one? <laughs> the baby who's Liz and not Liz laughs. The end. <laughs> Just imagine. <laughs> Like a mom who's just given birth, like, like, who are you, little (laughs) one? And then a baby laughs. Are you kidding me? It should be screaming. Oh, (sighs) so yeah, that's the end. Very little plot. What the fuck was this? I don't know. (laughs) It's horrible. It started off fine as I was reading like the first part, because it's really just like existential about like death and the afterlife. But then as like the quote unquote plot starts to get into it, this is the part I just repressed, I guess, especially the part about Owen in their relationship. That's just inappropriate. I think I told myself that it, she just had a crush, but it never actually happened. And then I was like, no, this is a thing that definitely happened and everyone's fine with it. I Nothing in this book makes sense. No. Absolutely. I'm still I'm, I'm really hung up about the axe murderer thing. I hated every second of this. Yeah. So that's elsewhere. Oh my God. Why was I this a book um i'm just like i'm sitting here trying to really process it yeah well like when i first started reading i was like wow this one is actually so pretty good because the prologue is really good <sighs> Like, I just want the whole book from Lucy's perspective. I wanted it to be true crime and then didn't. and I wanted there to be some kind no, of secret. Even there. like. The her... whole afterlife is some yeah. stupid place. <laughs> and they're well, like, well, and... let's have relationships as we age backwards, because that makes sense. Yeah, and it's like. So how big is elsewhere? Like, does everybody end up on elsewhere? There's so many freaking countries. Like, does everyone just speak English here? Like, Um, what happens? Like, culturally, things are different. That doesn't make any sense to me. They really went with this setting up uh, an afterlife to just have it be a romantic plot. Yeah. Well, that's like the two biggest disappointments was A, when she's hunting down her killer. It's like it all happens in like one page yeah like that seemed like there's no been, suspense built of like who that's what i was like oh shit this is the lovely bones and it's not no it's just she finds out and then like the whole like twist i guess is that she finds out that he's actually a nice guy and like it it was a tragic incident like i care more about him than i do about this girl this was so bad Yeah, like it just, it doesn't really pick a direction to go in and they don't even discuss in detail like, okay, if we're going to make it about the afterlife, like let's make it about the afterlife. There's so many time skips, like the whole middle part is when she's just depressed and going to the ODs and then she goes to the well and then she has a weird little relationship with Owen and then it's like part three, time rapidly passes and then she's a baby and it's over. None of this was good. No, I only like the beginning part, specifically the prologue. This was... And like... Up until the point when they get off the boat, this was the worst time. The than boat Blue portion Bloods. was okay at too. Least, at least Blue Bloods made me laugh. <laughs> Ugh, there weren't enough nephilim. <laughs> oh god, oh. god, this is not good. So yeah, well, I have another book by her on my list about oh, no. amnesia. <laughs> I don't remember the plot of that one, just that there's amnesia. But now that I've read this one again, there's probably not a plot. No. Well, um, here's our second plug. Follow us on social media at whyabookpodcast. <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Those are the three. Or send us emails at whyabookpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Email us about why was this a book? Email. Yeah. Why do you like? I kind of liked the idea of this like reverse aging afterlife, but now I really hate it. It just annoys me now. This. We don't learn anything about elsewhere. No. There's no world building. Absolutely not. I'm so annoyed. I'm Why was this book written to annoy me? Was this book written? Can we really say this book was written? <laughs> really Will next week be better? Um, Probably not. Uh, we will yes. have a special guest <laughs> Yay, special guest We got a special guest in another age gap relationship but we're also uh getting into the the poems that I am so curious about how it, that works yes I never read a book like that only like diary format oh well, this is a diary of poems we'll be getting into mm-hmm. called audition by stasia Stasha, stasia couldn't tell you I just think of Stasi from um, Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she wrote it. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, yeah. Find out next week. On, on why, why a Book. book.